Hi, everybody, and welcome back to the Creative Kindergarten Podcast. My name is Amanda, and I'm an early childhood educator in Ontario, Canada, and this podcast is a place where I talk about all things kindergarten. I pick a topic for the week, and I share my thoughts, my ideas, my learning around that topic. For this week's episode, I'm very excited to have a special guest on. I have Krista from Mrs. Reed's Room joining me to talk all about using visuals in the classroom. This is such a great topic to really think about, especially at the beginning of the school year, about how are you going to use visuals to make not only your day easier, because really they do make your educator life so much easier, but how they're so beneficial to all of our students as well. So we dive deep into all of the things, visuals, where to use them, how to use them, when to use them, with who to use them. All of those great questions get answered in this week's podcast episode. And I'm so excited for you to hear this conversation that I had to, I got to have with the amazing educator, Krista. Welcome back to the Creative Kindergarten Podcast. Today, I have a very special guest with me. I have Krista from Mrs. Reed's room with me. Hi, Krista. How are you doing? I'm good, Amanda. How are you? We're loving summer. <laughs> we're recording this. Yeah. This will come out probably in September, but we're recording this in August. So still enjoying the summer weather and just being on break. Absolutely. So do you want to introduce yourself to the audience a little bit? Tell us more about yourself. Sure. Um, my name is Krista Reed. Um, I live in Northern Ontario um, in the Timmins area. I'm originally from Southern Ontario, though, so um, it was a big change to move up here. It really is a very different life living in Northern Ontario. I've been here for uh, like 19 years now, going in, no, 18 years, going into my 18th year of teaching this fall. Um, I started kind of all over the place, as most of us do. Um, when we start out getting bumped here, getting bumped there, contract here, contract there. Um, and then when I settled into the school I've been at now for 11 years, um, I started in the junior grades, actually. I did a good five years teaching grade five and six, and then I moved down to grade one. And over the past two years, I did high support kindergarten. So I had six autistic kindergarten students in my class um, with two, sometimes three educational assistants with me. Um, I learned a lot. It was a huge learning experience. Um, but this fall, I'm going to be going back to the mainstream classroom to grade one again. Amazing. Um, I follow you obviously on Instagram and I'm always, this is the first time we're seeing each other, like kind of quote unquote face to face. And every winter it shocks me the amount of snow that you get because I am from more Southern Ontario. And like, I see those snowstorms coming in and I'm like, I don't think I'd make it. I, I just don't think I, I'd survive living there. So kudos yeah, to that. The first winter was a massive shock to the system. <laughs> yeah. But I'm, I'm used to it now. I'm yeah. used to it. You I've, learn to adjust. I've loved following um, your Instagram page, just seeing because you do, it's like a self-contained classroom. We, mm -hmm. 
we call those like PLP classrooms. I think they're called different things depending on your board. Yeah. Yeah. And so seeing what you're doing with your students has helped me so much visualize how I can help the students in my classroom as well. Just because you can implement a lot of the same things just on a smaller scale for students that need just a little bit of extra support in our kindergarten classroom. So I've really enjoyed and I've really loved being able to see everything that you're doing. Oh, that's great to hear. Um, actually, it's one of the reasons I'm super excited to go back to grade one is taking what I've learned over the last two years and implementing it in a general education classroom and knowing that what you do for the special education kids is going to also help all of the students in your classroom. And I will be um, two, at least two of my students who I've had over the past two years will be going into grade one. So I'm hoping to really integrate them as much as possible and hopefully help them get to the point where they're in a regular classroom almost all the time. So that's my goal. That's really cool that you get to, you've built that relationship with them and you get to continue that amazing relationship with them into the next year as well. Yeah. In, in a different role, different capacity. And yeah, it's going to, I mean, I'm excited. That's awesome. Um, what was I about to say? It slipped my mind. I have no idea where that just went. <laughs> I was just thinking about going into grade one and then I had a, a thought about it and then I completely forget what it was, but I'm sure it'll come back to me at some point <laughs> during the podcast. Um, so today you are on the podcast to talk to us about using visuals in the classroom, right? I've got the right thing. <laughs> Absolutely. Visuals are my love language. <laughs> I'm so excited because when you popped on this call and I was like, oh, we're going to talk about visuals. I even said, like, I feel like there's just such an underutilized resource for educators and students in the classroom. So I'm excited to be able to talk about them and how they can be used. Yes. I feel like a lot of teachers, when they hear visuals, they automatically think board maker symbols and if they don't have access to board maker symbols they kind of like well then I can't use visuals but visuals are not just board maker symbols yeah. they are and the board maker symbols are like the little I want to call them almost cartoony very simplified cartoon like images that you usually yeah. see yeah. I call them I call him the Eggman, the little bald yes. little dude. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> With one skin tone, very well, like. Actually, you can change the skin tone. So you can edit edit it and change the skin tone. And they have very, very light to very, very dark. And you can change the clothes. And um, there's actually, there's a lot of visuals in it now that have um, people with hair and different genders. And so, yeah, it's like. It's improved it's diversifying quite a bit. Perfect. I know like in our school board, we have access to it and I've tried to figure out how to access it, but it was a whole thing. So I opted to just do something different for the visuals that I did this past year for the classroom because it, it was not an easy thing to get. So access it, to. It's expensive, right? Like the license for it is expensive for school boards. So unless a, like a speech therapist or an occupational therapist says, this child will benefit from board maker symbols, then a board's usually not going to buy it. Mm -hmm. But if the therapist says that, then the board has to write through like SIA funds. So that's yeah. So when we're talking about visuals during this podcast, we're not, we're uh, like, obviously those board maker symbols are in that, but what else are we talking about when we're talking about visuals? 
we're talking about like any image that's going to add or replace printed language in your classroom. So uh, real photographs, logos, cartoons, um, clip art, objects and symbols, like, like anything, even like toys, you can use a toy as a representation of something in your classroom, right? So the car bin, you could have a visual, like a picture of a car, you could have the board maker symbol for car, or you could have a little car taped to the front to represent that this bucket is for cars. Mm -hmm. Yes. So there's so many different ways to implement it in your classroom and you can figure out not only what works for you as an educator, but what works for the, the students in the classroom as well. Uh, absolutely. So sometimes a photograph is going to be a much better visual representation than any clip art or board maker symbol you're going to have. So I've had a hard time, like I had access to board maker, but the symbols for things like recess and playground, nothing matched what our playground actually looks like. So if I use the board maker symbol, there's a swing and we don't have swings. So if you put up a swing, then the kids are going to think, oh, I get to go play on a swing, but there's no swing for them to play on. So or you're taking them to the park and then they're going to yeah, get really exactly. excited. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. They get super excited, right? So what I would do would take a picture of the playground and that was our visual for recess. And then I would take a picture of us outside during outdoor learning time with our learning materials. And that would be the visual I use for outdoor learning. So they could differentiate between the two as well. Cause we were, we do outdoor learning. We're in the same space mm -hmm. as they are for recess, but we're trying to do different things. So it's important to have the two different representations of that time. So they're not getting confused. I also like to use pictures of the like teachers that might be in that space. So if it's we're going to the library, instead of maybe just having a picture of the library, I have a picture of the teacher librarian, or if we're going to the gym, because again, the gym can be, we use our gym for like assemblies, we use our gym for different purposes. So having a picture of the um, phys ed teachers is really powerful for the students to make connection to the people that might be in the different spaces as well. Yes, absolutely. I, I do that too. Our, our gym time is not a picture of a gym. It's the picture of their teacher. So mm -hmm. that definitely helps with the differentiation for them. Yeah. So we can really use, like, I just like using pictures of the different spaces. It just makes it so much easier and I just can plop them in and then students, and this works well for all students too, right? So having those visuals and having them not be super specific um, little cartoons helps all of the students in the space as well um, yes. to get to know the different things but yeah just take pictures <laughs> that's what I do I just walk around my phone take pictures <laughs> yeah. the, I find that's been the best way for me to do it like even labeling all the bins and everything if you really want to help support students I just take pictures of the inside of the bin to put on the outside it's just kids are not clear so we, we kept all of our shelves covered to minimize distractions. And I would just, I'd open it, take a picture of it, and then put that picture on the outside of the curtain so that we knew both educators and the students know what's behind the curtain and what it should look like when we put things back. <laughs> <laughs> yep, perfect. Um, so we talked about this a little bit, but when we're talking about using visuals in a classroom and you're coming from one of those like more self-contained classrooms, but now you're moving into a, a grade one classroom, who are we using these visuals for? Like why, why do we want to use these visuals and who should we use them for? 
Uh, so visuals, visuals throughout your classroom, like when you're labeling things, um, your visual schedule, those visuals are going to help all of your students. Like all of them are going to benefit, especially like if you have non-readers yet, like if they can't read the words and they can at least see and know what's, what's going on. Um, and then other times visuals are mainly specifically for your students on the spectrum. So students who have been diagnosed as autistic because research has shown that students with autism um, learn best when they have words and pictures together. So most of them are visual learners and a lot of them have very different processing speeds than neurotypical children. So it takes them a longer time to process what you've just said. It's not that they can't hear you or that you're talking too quietly. It's that it, it just takes their brain a few more seconds to figure out what you said. And in that time, if it's taking too long, those words have gone, they're, <laughs> they're, they've disappeared. So the visual is always there. So if the words and the visual are together, then your students on the spectrum are going to be able to, sorry, be more successful because the visual helps when the words have disappeared, if that mm -hmm. makes sense. No, that's perfect. Yeah. And I love using a visual schedule. I find that especially after COVID, kids crave like a structured day and having that visual schedule, like it's that good for one, good for all model, right? Like it's going to help probably really specifically a few kids make it through the day, but it's also going to help the other students in the classroom be able to self-regulate throughout the day as well. So having that visual schedule these past couple of years has been a lifesaver on most days. You know, it's good for the students on the spectrum. It's also good for everybody. It just eases a lot of anxiety about what the day is going to be like. When am I going to eat? I'm really hungry. When is the time to eat? And they can look at the schedule and see, okay, I have, we have math to do, then we're going to have a story and then I get to eat. So mm -hmm. but it helps them like regulate, keep their emotions in check. You know, it settles some anxiety and it's, it's just, I think it should be in every primary, every classroom, really. I use visual schedules even when I taught junior. There's always a little clip art to go with schedule as well. Um, and so one that's displayed for the entire classroom is really good, but sometimes your students um, with ASD may need their own personal schedule too. An entire day might be overwhelming to look at. So maybe it's broken down into, you know, chunks of time. And this is what we're going to do the first part of the day. They get a little check mark for each thing. And then the next part of the day gets put up for them. So it, it again, eases anxiety because um, it could be really stressful when you don't know what's happening next. Mm -hmm. um, and also, Sometimes students on the spectrum are leaving the classroom more frequently. Mm -hmm. They're going to speech therapy sessions, they're going to occupational therapy sessions, or if they're doing an integration program from their high support class or their self-contained class, right? They're in and out a lot more. So it might be necessary for them to carry, like my students who would go to integration had a little binder and it mm -hmm. had their, their own personal schedule inside. Yeah, and it, it's gonna 
usually be a lot more detailed than your classroom visual schedule. So last year we had strips and like our day, I think was broken down into four pieces for this um, little man. And what we did was like, he like for the rest of the class, it was like um, free choice centers. They could pick where they wanted to go. No big deal. But for him, he needed more structure than that. So on his schedule, there was specific tables to go visit, but they were color coded. And so he had a, a much more detailed visual schedule than what would have been available to the other students as well. Yeah. Like I had a visual schedule for everybody in my class, but even within my six students, I had one student that, although that schedule was there and ready for him um it was just too much so his was very much a first and then you know all day long so he would come in first your puzzle then we're going to the carpet and then we do the next part first carpet then like the entire day because otherwise he just got too anxious and upset and the first and then really helped keep him calm and know exactly this is this this is this and this is this and it just it's helpful yeah and it it really just it it has to meet the needs of your student or students right like it really is the visuals and everything the schedules are tailored for each individual students and what they need and that also might change throughout the year so works in September is probably not going to still be working in January (laughs) it's just they it, it changes so much so making sure that we're also changing the visuals depending on our students as well. Absolutely, absolutely. Very few things in my class look the same in September as they do in June. So the visual schedules are are changed just as much. Mm-hmm. And another um, piece that I, I don't know how many um, ESL students or English learner students you have in your school community, but in mine, we have a ton like uh, a lot of our school community has Ukrainian or Chinese children or students from Pakistan who speak a variety of languages and their English could be at a variety of levels when they especially when they come into kindergarten so having visuals for those students too has helped us a ton because then we're connecting the English language to the pictures because usually if I have the picture I have the English language and we point to it and talk about it So having English language learners um, with visuals is also really helpful in the classroom, I find. Oh, absolutely. Um, In Northern Ontario, we are seeing a lot more different cultures moving up here. Um, As you know, Toronto gets too big and too full. You have to keep moving more and more north, right? So we are seeing a lot more different types of families coming. Um, But we also have a, a huge Indigenous population as well so we have families who speak Cree at home so again the visuals do help them right I, I I tell people like think of it you've gone to a foreign country and you've been dropped off and you don't speak that language how are you going to know where the bathroom is right mm-hmm. like it's that universal symbol for the bathroom that's using visuals so if they're all over they're all all over the place so let's put them in our classrooms too as adults we use visuals all the time I was in a parking garage and I hate parking garages but like to figure out how to get in and out of this parking garage you have to use the visuals to figure out where you are so Yeah. yeah if as adults we need those visuals why don't we just use that tool for our students as well throughout the day absolutely 
Um, so we talked a little bit about board maker, but we're talking about these visual schedules. We're talking about all of the cards and things that we have in our classroom. How do you create them other than just using board maker? If we don't have board maker available to us, what's your favorite way? Uh, Google, <laughs> Google images and photographs. Like if you, if you can't find a clip art or a Google image that fits, then just just take a photograph of it. Um, I think those are the easiest way. Um, I use PowerPoint and Canva um, to create things too. Canva has a ton of graphics. Um, so there's lots of variety on Canva too. So um, I use Canva a lot for um, social stories. Mm -hmm. So social stories are like a very visual story for students on how social situations are going to happen. Um, I, for example, I had a student who really struggled with the transition to the school bus at the end of the day. She didn't like her school bus, she didn't wanna leave school. It's not that she didn't wanna go home, she just wasn't ready to leave school yet. So um, I made her a social story on Canva. So it had lots of graphics and I was moving and then I could read it to her with the like recording my voice on Canva, which was helpful because then she could be independent with her social story too. And she wasn't dependent on an adult to sit down and read it to her. And then I could send it home to her family and they could read it to her as well in the morning. So to prepare her for her bus ride to school as well. I never even thought of uh, social stories using Canva. That's a great, Canva is a great resource. <laughs> I'm just going to throw that out there to educators who are not yet using it, who might feel that it is maybe overwhelming or that like they hear like, oh, a graphic design program. It's It can be used so simply, but it makes adding visuals, adding like clip art or real photographs to whatever you're making so much easier because it's all in that program. Yeah. Yes. It's all in, embedded into one. It's, mm -hmm. it's, it's huge. It's massive. There's so much on there to use. So yeah, using, I use PowerPoint as well sometimes, but I'm, because everything's already in PowerPoint, sometimes it's just easier to not have to recreate it. But as I'm creating new things for the classroom, everything's just being done in Canva because yes. it just makes my life so much easier. Yeah. <laughs> just not so like when I'm creating like visuals for like behaviors in the classroom, so like I'm creating visuals for my lanyard to remind a student who's picked up a new behavior that I want to alter or change. Um, I use just straight board maker, put it in there. I use the bingo template, it makes perfect little boxes. I print it, I cut it, I'm done. But if I'm making like a worksheet and I want to add visuals to the worksheet to adapt it for my students with ASD, I usually put all the visuals I want on a page of board maker and then I put those into PowerPoint because I find it's easier to make a worksheet in PowerPoint and then slide the visuals over from Boardmaker. Yeah. So you have a lots of different, we have lots of different tools like available to us. And then I will say, I don't know exactly what the process is, but if you're an educator that just wants to use Canva for the classroom, you can get a free educator account. Mm -hmm. So you can have access to everything within Canva using a free educator account. So if that's something that you want to explore, that's available as well. Yeah, you just have to uh, you just have to prove that you're an educator. Yeah, I think you just your board email or something. Yeah, it's not that difficult. Yep. 
Um, and so we've also talked about a little bit about this. And so you just mentioned your lanyard as well, but I just want to remind educators, like where else in the classroom can we use? Like we've talked about the visual schedule. We've talked about our bins a little bit. Where else do you use visuals in the classroom? Like, I feel like you're a great resource for talking about things that I would never even think of that would just make my life so much easier if I would just do it that way. Um, I use them in this bathroom, the student bathroom. So there's reminders to flush, there's reminders to wash hands, there's reminders to wipe. All of those reminders are there in the bathroom. Mm -hmm. um, I put, if I have a student who, I think I, I got a lot of feedback from this on my Instagram when I posted about a student who was licking door handles. Mm -hmm. um, new thing he picked up, we yep. didn't like it. <laughs> So we put a no licking visual at every doorknob and within a week he had stopped licking doorknobs because the reminder right at the doorknob as he puts his face to it is, is right there for him to mm -hmm. remind him. We all had it on our lanyards too, but if I'm at the other side of the room, I can't run over with my lanyard as and I stick it in his face while he's yeah. in his like vision line because it's too late then. So um, it's sticking them like wherever they're going to work. Um, I had a student who would elope from the gymnasium. So we put, you know, the stop signs or the ask for a break um, signs like right at the gymnasium doors so that if he stops for a second and thinks he's going to see that visual and hopefully remember, oh yeah, I'm not supposed to leave unless I ask. Mm -hmm. So like all around the class, every door every entrance and exit door in my school building has a stop sign on it <laughs> Just, yeah like those are those are the places you're going to use them um and they I have to be at this is another reminder for educators like at the students eye level sometimes yes. I go to put things up and you're just automatically just like putting them where you see them but we have to remember that especially in kindergarten or the younger grades like you have to go much lower um, on the door or on the wall, wherever they are, so that it's, so they're actually in, it's in their eye line. In their eye line, yeah. Um, I would do them, have them right on their desk, like their work area. There's reminders right there. Um, I put them, I put um, not available signs on like any adult chair in the room. So they know that I can't sit in the big rolly chair. That's not for me. Um, yeah. I have I have used a lot of visuals next to students' cubbies areas. So like the visual on how to put on our snowsuit, step by step, how to put on your snowsuit. I took pictures of the child at each step of him putting on his snowsuit. And so then that was right next to his cubby because we want it available to the student. If it's going to help them, like it has to be right where they're going to be using it. Like you're not going to have it next in the bathroom or something. <laughs> right there um I kept my students like token boards like right at eye level all on a like one bulletin board where they can see it um and you keep the tokens within their reach because they're mm -hmm. smart enough to know that if I can grab the token just put it on then no one's gonna see that I've got an extra token um, so the tokens are up high but like they're where they're at is right there in front of them or right beside them while they're working to help motivate them that oh yeah I just have one more token to get and then I get my reward time. Um, students on the spectrum are highly motivated by reward systems. I know there's lots of lots of controversy about reward systems and if they're helpful or not helpful, but um, 
I know from experience that students on the spectrum are highly motivated by reward systems. And it's a, like, it's a key factor in helping them be successful in school. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's making sure that what you're doing is helpful for that student. Like as an educator, we want to ensure that our classroom meets the needs of all the students in our classroom. So whatever is going to help that student learn and progress throughout the school year, that's what we want to be doing for those students. So the, the, the token board, like um, sometimes we use cartoon characters that the student is really loving um, or it's just like a star little clip yep. art star to put on it. It just depends. Again, it depends on the student that mm-hmm. needs that support at that time. Um, we had one kid one year, I think it was Paw Patrol highly motivated by Paw Patrol. So, you know, the, the little token was a Paw Patrol character that they could put on their little board, but. I, I had a student who was highly motivated. He loved learning about the human body, like loved it to a degree that I just, I can't comprehend really. And his token board, his tokens were organs. I found organs in a book, photocopied them, laminated them cut them out and those are his tokens and I still remember us adults giggling at us saying to him okay one more sentence and then you earn a human organ <laughs> one more else walking into these classrooms would be like what is happening in here but it's one long way <laughs> you're just can I get that heart buddy gotta get that heart <laughs> Yeah, it, it really depends on the students. And also the reward, the reward, quote unquote reward depends on the students. One of my students last year was so highly motivated by crafts. Like he just wanted to either, you know, make something with popsicle sticks and googly eyes or like beads. It, it, it was literally he wanted to create crafts. And so we had a choice board, like a first then choice board. First, you've got to do whatever table and then you get to pick a craft. And then he had like a little visual about which craft he wanted to do that that time. So it it can be like, I think we think of rewards as being either food or like iPad time. But again, it depends on that student. I think that's really great. I had a student who was highly motivated this year by just having five minutes to play crocodile dentist. That game where you push the teeth and the every once in a while like bites you and I got so much work out of him just by giving him five minutes of crocodile dentist every half an hour like you're in five tokens in half an hour crocodile dentist for five minutes and then he'd be right ready to give me another half hour of work to get crocodile dentist again so you have to find what motivates them and use that don't assume that iPad time is going to be motivating for them um, iPad time might actually be very distracting for them. Um, like I, I tend to avoid iPads in my classroom as much as possible, actually. Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes it's just frustrating for some students to, uh-huh. for iPad time, like they just might not be at, like engaged with it at all. Yes. Yes. So, yeah. So just again, individualized for each student. So the tokens themselves can be individ- individualized for each students, but the reward is also very individualized and sometimes having another student also show interest in the same thing. I know you were self-contained, but in a kindergarten classroom where I am, 
like having other students join in that reward as well is really motivating for some students, some students, yes. not all students. Not some. all, no. but it, for some students, it's for some students on the spectrum, it's a way for them to share their special interests yeah. with others in a way that is fun, motivating for others as well. Right. And, it, you know, we, we always hear about that autistic student that can't stop talking about whatever and mm -hmm. how it annoys other people or annoys other students but if you find a way to make it fun and enjoyable then the others can see that it's fun and enjoyable too right that's right is there anything else you want to add about visuals um either in kindergarten classrooms grade one wherever um oh well, i do i do want to mention um i hear this a lot and it's something that I've had to change over the last couple of years too, is using the term pecs to mm. use instead of visuals. Um, so visuals are not pecs. Pecs stands for picture exchange communication system. So it's the system by which um, autistic non-speaking autistic children are taught how to communicate by exchanging pictures. So they may take a picture of a cookie, I want a cookie, and then they pass that to somebody and that's their way of saying, I want a cookie. Um, in the recent years, uh, ACC devices have taken off. So PEX is not something that's used very often because it's now it's kind of replaced by tablets and machines that can help students um, instead of exchanging pictures. And PEX also, the system really, um, focused on students making eye contact while exchanging the picture, which I think we all know now is not something that we should be forcing students to do. So um, if you hear someone say, I have my pile of pecs or I have my pecs on me, um, just kind of like remind them that they're called visuals or they're called symbols and uh, try to move away from using that term. I've never had a student using use pecs but I don't even remember when or who this was but somebody's like oh the pecs and then and we're talking about pecs and I was like I have no idea what you're talking about right now I'm like I don't know what's going on yeah it becomes confusing when you're starting to use like a really specific um like very specific word for something that is like much broader that has a broader yeah, use yeah Awesome. Anything else um, about visuals? I love using visuals. I, I can talk. Me too. I could, I could go on forever. Um, <laughs> obviously on my Instagram, I share a lot about using visuals. Um, and I just recently started a teacher's pay teacher store too, where I hope to, um, you know, put up a lot of things that are adapt adapted for students on the spectrum. So adapted with visuals so that you can have, you know, you have that one student class who really needs the visuals. It's gonna save you time because you can just use what I have and use those visuals too. So I have a lot of resources that are meant for visuals and then a lot of resources that um, are adapted. So they have the regular worksheet and then the adapted worksheet included as well. Yeah, it's amazing what you're doing. I honestly, if you're not already following Krista, Mrs. Reed's room on Instagram and on her TPD store, you have to because she posts things and I'm like, oh my God, that's genius. How come I didn't think like, it's like the simple, you know, those simple things that you think, how come I've been making my life so much more difficult 
than it needs to be. And so I, yeah, you've been a great follow all these years and I've learned so much from you, um, seeing all everything that you're sharing. Thank you. Yeah. Um, so yeah, visuals, I use them everywhere in the classroom. They, that good for one, good for all model, like it's going to be like something that some students absolutely need, but all students will benefit from having it in the classroom. And you as an educator will also benefit from having it in the classroom. Uh, I started using visuals on my lanyard last year for our little one that needed them. But I found myself pulling them out for all kinds of things happening in the classroom for everybody. So if I'm reading a story and I see somebody talking out of the corner of my eye, I can use the the quiet visual to kind of just hold them up, hold it up and show it to a student. And then I'm not like interrupting my lesson or my story. I'm just using the visual to give like a a quiet little reminder. Absolutely. Yeah. Walking, walking in the hallway, right? Like there's so many ways you could be using them that, that are quiet and discreet and you know, like they work Mm -hmm. for everyone. And we all want students to remember how to wash their hands. So like visuals about hand washing is again, beneficial for everybody in the classroom. Just a little picture right at the toilet just says flush, shows a little flush. Exactly. Yeah. It's, it's the str- kindergarten struggle <laughs> of my life, that flushing of the toilet. So yeah, make sure you're following Krista over on Mrs. Reed's room and follow her TPT store. And I'm sure if you have any questions, she's going to want to answer them and um, share any information that she has. Absolutely. Just slide right into those DMs. <laughs> so I'll link everything in the show notes so that you can find Krista her Instagram page and her TPT is there anything else that I'm not mentioning that I should be mentioning no just those yep perfect thank you so much for joining me and talking about visuals thanks for having me Amanda Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of the Creative Kindergarten Podcast. And thank you so much for to Krista who joined me this week to talk about her expertise around visuals. If you're not already following her over on Instagram, make sure that you do. Mrs. Reed's Room, I will link all of her socials in the show notes for you. She also has a great TPT store where she is adding some resources. And yeah, I hope you go and um, check her out. If you are not already following the Creative Kindergarten Podcast on whatever podcasting platform you're listening to me on, make sure that you do. I put out new episodes usually every Tuesday. And just spoiler alert for next week, I have another amazing podcast guest coming on to talk about her expertise around neuroscience. So make sure that you are following me so that you know whenever I put out those new podcast episodes. I hope you have a great day. Thank you.